0: Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Elland. There are enough prescriptions written for opioids in the United States to give every adult American their own bottle of pills. Opioids, including prescription opioids and heroin, killed more than 33,000 people in 2015. Nearly half of all opioid overdose deaths... Involve a prescription opioid. But the painkiller problem is not just confined to the United States. The World Drug Report estimates that as many as 36 million people worldwide abuse opioids. Joining us today from Arizona is Debbie Burt. She was hooked on opioids for pain, but now uses cannabis. Debbie, good of you to do this. Thanks very much. You're very welcome. Tell us the story of your back pain and how you became addicted to opioids.
1: I actually injured my back originally when I was a teenager. Uh, my parents owned a kind of like a big fruit market and so I injured it then but then I, I um, completely blew it out um about seven years ago and I've also I didn't I didn't have any pain in my neck but I had to have a spinal fusion. So I have a lot of nerve damage and horrible. I mean my pain was so frightening that I had made the decision that, oh boy this was it. I mean I was gonna go Doctor Phil asked me to come on the show because I was a, you know, a chronic pain user, but I didn't realize what it was doing to my life that I was, uh, I was completely shut down. I had no emotions one way or the next. Um, you know, even my family, they knew, but I was so defensive about it that no one would even talk to me. One of my daughters said we were going to stage an intervention and I, I had no idea. I know I'm defensive, but, you know, the pain is so frightening that you get to the point where you think, okay, fine. If this is my lot in life, this is what I'm doing. And uh, then my husband and I, we decided, we travel six months out of the year, and we we went to Oregon, and I said, go get some pot. <laughs> go, go do something. And I'll tell you, it's changed my life. First of all, in the evening... We'll smoke some, and we actually we use a vape pen, but um, it calms me down. I don't have that fear of pain. That was, you know, that that has so much to do with the pain because once you've felt it, then you know you're constantly afraid of it. It's helped enormously, and it's helped so much with my nerve pain. I just really I sleep well and I feel well and. Now that I'm sober, it's it's a different life. It really is.
0: It's interesting you use that term now that you're sober. Yeah.
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't look at, at marijuana. I I mean, I'm a, a child of the 70s and 80s, and I've never looked at marijuana like it was something that should be illegal. I think it's ridiculous. I mean, I... The marijuana now is a little bit different than the marijuana of the 70s and 80s. It's so, you know, it's really, a lot of it is cause-specific. And, you know, if you don't want to feel high, you don't have to. You know, you can pick THC levels. There's just so many options to help you. It's just like picking an opal. (laughs) You know, how many, I was on 30 milligrams, six a day for seven years. And I could have done, I mean, I was prescribed six. I could have done 15. You know, there's no beginning and end to it. That's the problem with the opioids. There's no beginning and end. And all you do is numb yourself over and over and over. I mean, uh, the most horrible thing was that my mom died last year. I left the hospital an hour before she died because I was so messed up in the head that I thought, Oh, you know she'll be fine. It's fine. She's laying there dying, and I leave the hospital. You know there's a lot to deal with emotionally after you get off all boys it's you know it's been a real journey. it really has, but it's it is the most wonderful feeling to be alive again. It really is
0: Debbie. I realize it's pretty much impossible to comprehend the pain someone else is experiencing, but how bad was it for you? on a day-to-day basis?
1: Oh my God. All I can tell you is, uh, you know, they did this neck fusion and I had, I have actually a disc that's fused to my spine and my lower back and I have arthritis and all this other stuff that's built around it. It's totally inoperable. And then my neck, You know, I had this horrible surgery, never had pain before, until, gee, suddenly they're cutting me open and doing this horrible six-hour surgery. And the pain is like, you know, you go through this pain that, like, stretches you out and pulls you in. And unless you've had it, you just, it's like being electrocuted. If you could imagine being electrocuted, that's what it's like. And And it doesn't stop. It comes in spasms. And it's just, it is. It is really, really horrible. Really horrible.
2: Debbie, did this happen at night too? Like, say, when you were sleeping, would you wake up with this all
1: night long? All night, I would be. If I wasn't on opioids, (laughs) I mean, I felt like I would die. I would never sleep. I don't know. I, you know, I just, I couldn't imagine a life without the without the pain pills. I really couldn't. I and like I said, I had committed myself to a life with opioids. That's I mean, I wrote to Dr. Phil, you know, I'm on it, I have chronic pain, basically, if I can say this on the radio, kiss my ass. You know, he kept doing all these shows about the dangers, and I was like, you know, I have chronic pain, what do you want me to do? But I'll tell you, the marijuana saved my life. It really, I... You know, and I went. I I went through detox, and you know, I did a chemical detox, and you know, and I felt like, gee, I'm a little bit better than everybody else because, you know, mine was prescribed. It's BS. I don't care if it's prescribed. I don't care if you're buying it off the street. I don't care if you're shooting heroin. It's all the same. There's no beginning, no end, and it's all super addictive. That's it. I would just. You know, I I know that the temptation is there to always accept the, uh, you know, you get a nice little buzz, accept the prescription. There's no end. I was on 30. I could have been on 50. There's just no end to it.
2: Well, and that nice little buzz that you get from opiates, you require more and more to get that little buzz.
1: Right, exactly. I mean, what I would feel on 15 milligrams, I didn't feel on 60 milligrams. So, you know, as time goes by, your body just get so incredibly used to it. I mean, <laughs> it, we, had to, we had to buy a safe with a fingerprint reader for my husband who would amazingly, he would get up and fill a little prescription bottle with six pills each day. But I'll tell you something, had I been able to get into that safe, I would have done them all. I could do 180 pills in two weeks, no problem. No problem, and that's why I say, you know, there's no beginning, no end, and I'm not saying, you know, that somebody who shoots junk is any any worse than I was because, believe me, you know, sooner or later, I mean, there was a point where, you know, I would go to my doctor, my poor doctor, and I would, you know, I tend to be a little, <laughs> a little aggressive, but anyway, she was so kind, and I would say, you know, I think I need 20 milligrams. So if you go to the pharmacy and you keep changing milligrams at one point years ago, you know, they would fill up because they wouldn't see it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there was no end. That's why we got the safe. But I have to deal with my husband's guilt now, who feels like he enabled me for, you know, the last two, three years because we had this safe in and he feels like I would have crashed and burned earlier. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Who knows? right yes would you say that during And i'm a grandma of 11
2: (laughs) of 11 wow
1: of 11 yeah
2: debbie would you say it would be fair to say that you were um suffering from sleep deprivation when you were going through all of this pain as well
1: oh my i never slept For me, because, uh, you know, I felt like, you know, well, I'll stay off the opioids, but I was taking so much, you know, Tylenol, extra trade Advil, whatever there is, you know, over the counter. I just ate up my stomach. I mean, I I can't take a Tylenol to save my life right now. And, you know, that was another issue. If you can't take, you know, if you can't take something that's got an aspirin or a Tylenol base, then where do they go? All they can do is give you opioids,
2: mm-hmm. and then sleep deprivation. And I
1: didn't have anything.
2: Sleep go deprivation ahead. comes with its own set of problems too, <laughs> because it makes because you crazy. because quite literally it makes you crazy, and uh, uh, it does. Oh, also absolutely. the ability to cope with your pain it it gets worse and worse and worse. It's just a snowball effect.
1: Right, and that's why I say that the pain is so scary, because it's not like well, it'll last fifteen minutes. You know that you're going to be in pain all day, and it's not going to stop. I mean, even my feet, which I know it sounds ridiculous, and a lot of uh, a lot of uh, people with diabetes suffer from a certain kind of neuralgia where where your feet, it's. It's insane I mean it'll wake you up the feet tingle hurt get cold get hot you know and they're not they're not too cold they're not too hot if you feel them but there's all this weird nerve stuff that goes through it's horrible were it you really in, is
2: in your heart of hearts did you realize that you were addicted to these opiates or were you just oh, in, yeah you didn't know
1: oh no uh, well I was in denial. I was in denial to the extent that, you know, my family was afraid to talk to me about it because I was like, look, you know, I'm in severe pain. Just don't even. And I had said to, I have six sisters <laughs> and you know, we're all pretty, uh, gabby. And, uh, I had said to them, don't, you know, I don't even want to hear it. This is what I'm on. I'm on because I'm in pain. That's it. You know, that's it. And I have a very strong personality. No one would say anything to me.
2: You know, um, I had, uh, uh, before I got on cannabis oil, I had a a condition and still do called post-ternotomy syndrome from open heart surgery. And I was on a crap load of opiates. And looking back, I was probably addicted. You know, I was on them for five years. You know, and I had I had a total smorgasbord, and um, and it's quite insidious when you're on opiates, and you do lie to yourself, or you do sort of say, "Oh, well, it's okay because it was prescribed," you know, and the doctor gave me the prescription, so you know, you justify it to yourself.
1: Right, and you think that you're better than any other junkie or anybody else that's addicted. You know, you're so much better than them because you went to a doctor and you got a prescription.
2: You didn't get yours on the street.
1: No, no. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh-uh. I mean, I had I'm smart enough to, you know, I kind of played the game for a while, you know, with the prescriptions and then that ended pretty abruptly. Um actually what happened is a pharmacist said, you know, something I've been looking at your at your records, and I see that you've been coming in with different strengths. And he said, you used X amount. It had to be, you know, close to 200 in two weeks. And he said, you cannot fill this prescription for another two weeks. So I went into the most horrible, horrible withdrawal. I don't know if you went through that, but all I can tell you is it was, I mean, I probably lost... 18 pounds, it was really 18 pounds just from vomiting. I mean, I couldn't eat, I couldn't drink. It was really awful. Really awful. It's a very scary thing. That's another reason why you stay on, is the fear of withdrawal. Mm
0: -hmm. Debbie, with your terrible pain and your addiction to painkillers, what kept you going from day to day?
1: Just knowing that I had pills. That was really it. I mean, I would go uh, my daughter lives about 80 miles away, but it, it's a really pretty drive. And I'd go down there a couple of days a week to see the grandkids. And, um, I mean, I would literally drive 80 miles to stay an hour. You know, you're constantly, it's like you're always worried. Where's my next pill? Where's this? And I would have my six pills for the day. And then, of course, I would beat up on my husband at night. I'm in pain. You know, I woke to her. her." And, you know, he would give me an extra pill. It's It's really the kind of psychological stuff that you go through once you can actually feel is very heavy duty. It really is. But, you know, it's so incredibly worthwhile. I, you know, I feel like I've opened my eyes for the first time in seven years.
0: Debbie, you mentioned that the pharmacist refused to fill your prescription. Did your doctor ever question how much you were using?
1: Yeah. Yeah, she did. But, you know, I would, I would lie to her it was stolen or it was dog ate it. Yeah, she knew. I mean, I would, you know, oh my God, somebody came in, they took my prescription. I mean, I, Name name I, I would do anything to get more pills. Anything. And that's why we got the safe. And I couldn't get in there and trust me, I tried. <laughs> I tried. My husband sleeps really soundly. And one night I picked it up. It was a real heavy little <laughs> And I tried to use, I tried to grab his thumb to put on. Him. <laughs> he's oh, that's a great he story. Asleep. I know he's sound asleep, and I'm, you know, I'm grabbing his arm. Come on, come <laughs> on, you know, trying to use his thumb, and he woke up and said. What in the I'm not gonna say the word are you trying to do? It's yeah, one time it didn't close all the way and of course I ripped off twenty pills, you know, associating, well, maybe, you know, I'll make it I'll stretch it out and you know, use I use it in a couple of days. Like I said, there's no beginning and no end. You know, you're an addict and that's it.
0: When did the light go on for I knew you?
1: I couldn't quit. I knew I couldn't quit. I really did. I, I just knew I couldn't quit. I justified it by the pain. I justified it by uh you know, the fear of withdrawal. I you know, I'm a great justifier and uh it's just it's a really hideous thing. It really is. I and and I would have been the first person to defend it, but no, it's a really horrible thing.
0: When did the light go on go for ahead. you, Debbie, that uh, you had to get off these painkillers and you and you went to detox?
1: Well, my husband got really sick last year. Um, he's a young man. I mean, I don't know, if you're 20, I guess 50 sounds really old, but you know, we're both in our in our 50s and he he got congestive heart failure and almost died. Thankfully, his heart rallied a bit and uh, he's on disability now and we, we gave away everything. We were in a 4,000 square foot house. I mean, we gave away everything to either kids or to charity. And uh, we sold the house for basically what we bought it for, and we bought a forty-foot RV <laughs> and a Fiat that we can yank behind it, and we travel now. I mean, we get to—we've been all over, and um, I had to fly back. I mean, this is how ridiculous it is. I had to fly back every month to come and see my doctor, get the prescription, go to the Walgreens that I knew would, you know, not question anything. I mean, I would drive 25 miles out of my way to go to one certain one. And then, um, you know, I would fly back. And, I mean, we, we spent like probably four or five months in Pennsylvania, where my husband's people are from, and I was flying back every month. And I just thought, you know... My husband and I spoke about it, and he said, "You know, it's tough. I mean, he's on disability. That's what we live on." And you know, it just became more and more stupid. And so, uh, my twin sister, who she's in town, and she knew of someone who had used this place that I went to for the chemical detox. And actually, the detox was pretty easy. You know, it was a chemical detox. They kept me hydrated and really kept me asleep, basically, for a few days. And, and once the opioids were gone, they were gone. That's it. They're not in your system. But, you know, then you have to deal with the litany of emotional stuff and the guilt. But uh like I say, the journey is well worth it. I know that a lot of people relapse, and, and I appreciate that. But I don't know. I think that if you turn around and open your eyes and, you know, go get your medical marijuana card like you you need it here in Arizona, it, there's a whole world to live. My husband and I sit around and laugh all night long. I mean, literally. <laughs> and it's not like, you know, we're teenagers. But, I mean, we watch movies. We laugh. we You know, we have a life. I'm not tethered. I'm not tethered anymore.
2: Debbie, what was it like the first time you used cannabis for your pain?
1: Uh, I just couldn't believe it. I just really, I thought, there's just no way. There's just no way. And it's funny, we tried, you know, sativa and whatever, and Disha, and and, uh, I really, really um, like the sativa for during the day and the indicia at night. And it was just amazing. I mean, we, it has changed so much in our relationship and we've always, uh, you know, we've been married for 14 years and, and, you know, we just have a wonderful, wonderful marriage. Anyone would say that it's a hundred times better now. It really is. My husband no longer is my pill pusher, and, you know, he is completely out of that role. And, and we sit around, we relax, and we have fun. And it's, it's 100% different.
0: Now, is your pain, um, I'm, I'm just trying to think of you being on painkillers and the degree of pain you had when you were on the painkillers and the degree of pain you had or have when you're on the marijuana. What's the difference?
1: The difference is I don't have the fear. That is, that's probably, you know, I remember after my uh, after my spinal fusion, and um, I had told everyone, I'm a pain patient. This is what I'm on. This is what I'm on. Well, of course, they didn't read anything, and I got out of surgery. And, you know, when you're dependent like that, you need a lot of pain drugs after a surgery. So I had this hideous surgery, and... They gave me like they would a normal person, and I woke up screaming and I do not accept, my husband is standing bedside screaming. they got so worried, upset frightened that they loaded me so full of drugs that I actually my heart stopped for five minutes, yeah, very interesting, and then I had a, the neurologist. He said to me, he said, a lot of what's going on here is fear. So, you know, then they put me on Valium, including the oxycodone. Well, you know, <laughs> why not just shoot someone in the head? The Valium, I was only on one milligram, and I thought, well, no big deal, no big deal. And and so I just didn't refill my prescription, and then I went through, you know, a 10-day withdrawal with that. It's a really, <laughs> I'm telling you, <laughs> it is I have been through quite a bit and it, um, it's, you know, don't start. If you haven't, don't, and don't buy into the garbage. Try the, try the marijuana now. If you're, if you're a little bit older like I am, you know, just go and read about it and examine everything that's on the internet and, and really take your time and, Check it out, and you'll see. I mean, there's really nothing to be afraid of. I think when you get older, you know, older than I am, you know, you feel like, oh, you know, those hippies use marijuana whatever. It's really, really helpful. Really, for chronic pain and and to calm you down, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And occasionally I have to take, like, a Lyrica or something else just because, you know, my nerve pain would just really crop up very bad. But I, I haven't. Uh, I haven't taken anything since we started the marijuana, and that's it. I mean, I just haven't needed it.
2: Debbie, what would you say is more effective in in handling your pain? Was the opiates as effective as the cannabis?
1: No, because I needed more. More and more, yeah. Right, and the thing is, is, you know, the last few years I was snorting it. And, you know, I told my husband, oh, that gives me faster relief. Well, you know, I was on fast relief. I wasn't on time. I was snorting them. Seriously, I was snorting them. Snorting six pills. Could have done ten. No issue.
0: Yeah. And with the... Yeah, ma-
1: it's... A, it's in, go ahead. No, I was just
0: going to say, with the marijuana, you don't have to deal with the the, the the psychological aspects that you do with the opiates.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, there's just so... I mean, I, I like how to go through and think, okay... You know, I mean I, I I had I wrote to one of my daughters and I said, I'm so sorry. This is this is really the worst story ever and, and I'm gonna admit it to everyone, but I was babysitting, um, three of the of my my daughter's seven kids and the little ones and um there a baby who I mean he he was about nine months old and then uh a two-year-old and a three-year-old. And I started panicking because I was out of pills. And they went to, her and her husband went to a school to start their kindergartner in school. And they were, you know, doing the orientation and all of that. And I started freaking out. They were going to be back at 1, and I started freaking out about 10. And I wrote, you know, I never offered to babysit all day. And, And so I'm writing to them and hassling them. And uh, my daughter said, well, I'm coming home right now. And I looked out, and I could see, you know, where she was at the way end of the block. I hopped in my car, and I left. And that is, that to me is, you know, the kind of guilt that you really don't get over all that easily.
2: It was your, the pills taking precedence over everything.
1: Oh, my God. I couldn't, I all I could think of, I mean, I had flown in on the, on the uh, you know, on a plane for five hours, right? So, you know, on the plane, of course, I did a couple and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, that night I was in a lot of pain. So, you know, I managed to, I should have saved a couple, but instead I did them. And uh, in, the, in the morning I was babysitting. I'd slept on my daughter's couch and the morning I was babysitting and I freaked out. I freaked out. And I think anybody who's ever been as addicted as I was can understand that. You freak out. You don't think about, you know, your kids. their You don't think about anything. You think about where that pill's coming from. I went to my doctor two hours early and sat and waited until I could get that prescription, and that was it. That was it. That's what I, and the funny thing, I went to the doctor and I said, my daughter's called me every name in the book, you know, and she told me, oh my god, it's horrible to have a mother that's addicted. And, and my doctor said, you are not addicted. You are, it's, it's a, it's a dependence based on pain. And you know that was it. That was my justification. And that's what I said to her. I said, "You can be as mad as you want. I'm in pain. I need my pills. That's it."
2: It's almost like your doctor was a form of enabling then.
1: Well, you know, I, I have I have records. I mean, you should see what they got at the at the poor certification place. I have years and years of records and surgeries. I mean, I I had huge cortisone shots. I had twelve shots in my back, and I mean, I would lay, they lay you on a table with a hole in the middle, and I would just lay, and my tears would just puddle on the floor. I went through a lot, and I mean, this is pre opioid. I went through so much that, you know, by the time I decided, okay, fine, I'm living my life on them, you know, it was, it seemed like the same decision. It really did. I mean, I was going to a doctor, and he, you know, one doctor said to me, haven't you ever had a child, you know, because of the pain, you know, they shoot you right into a disc and they hit all those nerves. It is, it's horrible. The treatment is as bad as the diagnosis. It really is. It it was just so horrible going through that and then physical therapy and then more shots. And then, you know, I do shots different. And, you know, then they give you propanol or whatever that stuff is, you know, to, so that you don't feel the pain, I always felt the pain. It was—it's horrible. Debbie it really is
2: with your with your cannabis use. Are you just vaping it, or do you do tinctures, or edibles, or oil? I
1: actually, um, the uh, doctor that I went to is uh, for my certification was a uh, holistic doctor, and he and I said to him, you know, I. My my issue, I told him, you know, I was addicted to opioids and all that. And um, he actually, um, I bought a, a thing of some, some uh, hemp oil. And, uh, you know, he showed me what to do sublingual. And it really does help.
2: Let's just clarify that you're talking about cannabis oil, not hemp oil per se.
1: Well, when I went to that doctor... He prescribed a hemp oil, but the cannabis oil is completely different. It's, it just, it knocks it out. It calms me down. My nerves aren't, you know, just shooting pain. I'm fine. I don't need anything for sleep. Like when I was on the old boys, I always had to take, you know, I called sleepy aspirin. Isn't that nice? Or, you know, something to knock me out because I couldn't sleep. Because, you know, basically I was just... Even though I didn't realize it, I was just kind of speeding my butt off, you know?
0: Debbie, how do your kids feel about you being on marijuana?
1: They really, they're just so incredibly proud of me, and they have no issue with the marijuana at all. In fact, it's I was down visiting with my one daughter with all the kids, and we were talking, and she just said, you're like a different person. She said, I used to walk in, and I was always very closed up. You know, being defensive, that's what you do. And so I was always very closed up, but, you know, I could only stay a little bit because, you know, what if I ran out of pills, or God forbid, you know, something like that happened? And uh, we just—I I actually had the best time with her that I've had in years. Oh, that's good. I really—and they are very open to it. They're, um, you know, I mean, they—they've heard all the stories from high school, you know. <laughs> but they're—they're um, they're very, very open to it. They understand. They're both—they're both really smart people.
0: Debbie, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. It's great that uh, you are off opioids and uh, you're on the road to recovery, and uh, things are looking fine for you, you and your husband. Even though you, yeah. even though you hauled a safe into the bedroom to try and get his,
2: uh, his <laughs> I love that story. <laughs> <laughs> He's still it's with you. Just
1: so funny. <laughs> you know the the poor guy loves me. I mean, I just, I don't know, I don't know what I've done to deserve it, but yeah, he he. Is I I And for him to have guilt, it's like, oh, don't have guilt. I have enough for both of us. To put it away. Yeah, you'll but share thank yours. Thank you so much.
2: Yeah, thanks. Thank you
1: so much for letting me air it out.
2: Deb, no. thank you very, very much. You're yeah.
1: very welcome. Take thank, care.
2: Thanks, Deb. Bye.
1: Bye-bye.
0: And there you have it, another edition of Cannabis Health Radio. Don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes and help us out on that platform. We welcome your comments. You can send comments to us at info at Wherever you are in the world, thanks very much for listening. You've been listening to the Cannabis Health Radio podcast. Visit our website. CannabisHealthRadio.com and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview
1: of one of our other shows.